Hey there, and welcome to the Jimmy's Table podcast at jimmystable.com. I'm your host, Jimmy Humphrey. I'm curiously evangelical, politically homeless, and a dreamer of small things. On this podcast, I'm having conversations about the intersection of faith, life, and culture. So if you have honest questions, aren't afraid to have difficult conversations, and want to have a little fun along the way, then pull up a chair. This podcast is for you. So today's episode 180 of the jimmystable.com podcast, and I'm going to talk about the friendship famine that exists in Western society and how to make friends. There's this great joke that says the greatest miracle ever recorded in the Bible that nobody ever talks about is that Jesus Christ had 12 close friends and he was in his 30s. <laughs> I think that's something we could all probably relate to. Uh, it's something that we've probably recognized as a pattern in, I'd say, most of our lives. That, you know, for whatever level of friendships we had, and we might have had a lot of friendships growing up and through college and maybe, you know, deep into our 20s. But there's something magical about getting into your 30s and getting married and having kids and working and juggling careers and extracurriculars and family vacations and all those fun things that kind of put a stressor and a damper and on uh, ultimately making and sustaining friendships. Um, there's nothing greater to, to kill our friendships than getting older uh, and getting closer to the people that we reproduce with. <laughs> you know, and, and it's just something that happens in our society and it is what it is, and I know that may not sound like the most riveting commentary, and it is. It's so cliche to say something like that, but, uh, well, I think it's like almost one of those self-evident truths, those things that we just know to be true in our culture. It almost doesn't even need to be said. We, we all kind of have seen this. Maybe most of us, to some degree, have experienced it, and uh, we all kind of know what, what the problem probably is. Our lives are just so dang busy, um, and uh, it's usually busy with people that we love, but at the same time, the people that we love end up, you know, kind of consuming all of our waking attention, and the waking attention that we give to our spouse, to our children, to the extended members of our family, all of a sudden we just take extreme priority, and, and I'm not going to say that's wrong, there's certainly, I think, a, uh, a place for that. But we definitely know that this happens, and we've all experienced, I think, if you've lived enough life, uh, you've probably experienced it, and you've probably especially noticed it, especially if you were uh, somebody who always was able to have a lot of friends um, when you were younger. And uh, some of you maybe don't notice that, because maybe some of you have always been kind of loners over the years, um, and maybe he only had one or two close friends or never had much of any social circle whatsoever, um, especially if maybe perhaps you moved a lot um, for whatever reason you may have moved a lot in your life. It's, it's kind of hard to establish friendships when you're constantly on the go. Um, but, you know, whatever the case, this is something I think most people can identify with, um, and it's something we've noted, and it's something that uh, has actually been greatly studied in recent years. I was reading some research conducted by the Survey Center on American Life, who published some pretty 
startling statistics. And I have a link to this research in the show notes at jimmystable.com for episode 180 if you want to go click on it. Um, but I have some citations from it as well uh, that I want to go ahead and cite and then make some commentary on. Uh, you can read those if you want as well at the jimmystable.com podcast for the show notes. So according to the research done by the Survey Center of American Life, it says many Americans do not have a large number of close friends. Close to half, 49%, of Americans report having three or fewer friends. More than one-third, which is 36% of Americans, report having only several close friends between four and nine, and 13% of Americans say that they have 10 or more close friends, which is roughly the same proportion of the public that has zero close friends, which is reported at 12%. The number of close friendships Americans have appears to have declined considerably over the past few decades. In 1990, less than one-third, which is 27%, said that they had three or fewer close friends, while about as many, 33%, reported having 10 or more close friends, and only 3% said back in 1990 that they did not have any close friends. Man, talk about a huge change in culture to where you go from having only 3% of the population that has zero close friends to uh, roughly 12% today who report having zero close friends. And, you know, whereas back in the 90s, less than a third said they had uh, three or fewer close friends uh, today, 49% report that. Such a huge growth in showing what is happening in our society when it comes to our friendships. The study also reports that most Americans report having a best friend. Nearly 6 in 10 people, 59% of Americans say they have at least one person they consider their best friend. However, 40%, 0 of people say they do not have somebody that they consider their best friend. And that is fewer today than what Americans reported back in 1990. In 1990, three quarters of Americans, 75% of us, reported having a best friend. And when you contrast to that, to the fact that only 59% report having a best friend today, with 40% saying they have zero best friends. That's a, that's a pretty dramatic decline in just three decades' time. That represents a radical shift in our culture. And it's even more pronounced amongst men. Um, and that's why this, the, the joke that I opened up with at the beginning of this podcast about you know the greatest miracle that Jesus ever had was... Uh, that we don't make a big deal about is being in his 30s and having 12 close friends. Um, because it is reported today in America that less than half of men report being satisfied with their friendships, and only about one in five said that they have any sort of emotional support from any of their friends, compared with women who report at least four in ten of their relationships 
having emotional support. So women report double that of men when it comes to having friendships that they consider close and providing emotional support for them. And according to psychologists, increasingly men turn to romantic partners for their sense of friendship. You know, it's very it's been very cliche over the years that, you know, a husband and a wife will or you know, consider each other their best friend. Uh, to be their spouse, um, and especially men who, you know, in turn have less and less friendships outside of the home and less and less friendships with, uh, with, with people outside the home, so they, they, in result, turn to their spouse to be their best friend. But according to psychologists, this arrangement where romantic partners increasingly find each other to be their best friend kind of is dangerous. Uh, one psychologist says it may seem like a good solution, but it works neither for the man nor the woman they look to for that fulfillment, to look for the other person to be their best friend. The psychologist said, putting everything on a romantic partner can strain a relationship, he said, whether it is going to a female partner exclusively for emotional support or depending on her to cultivate friendships and get-togethers for holidays and weekends. It is crucial, they say, to have multiple people to go to for support, for different perspectives, for different reasons in your life. And you know, if I can get a bit personal here, you know, I can kind of personally vouch for a lot of this. You know, in much of my 20s, I had a pretty good friend group. Uh, I worked hard at cultivating some friends in college and and outside of college, and uh, I had a couple years maybe where I kind of faltered on that and ended up kind of alone. But at, at some point, I, I did something, and uh, I eventually started making a lot of friends. Um, and I became very successful socially. Um, and I never lacked a good friend to hang out with or to share something of my heart with another person. Then some, something happened when I was about 30. I moved across town, I got married, and then COVID happened. <laughs> and all this put a great strain on a lot of the friendships that I had cultivated over the years. And many of the friendships that I had during this entire process, which was about eight years of moving across town, getting married, and then experiencing a couple years of COVID, um, you know, all those things, all those events, all those stresses really put a lot of strain on a lot of my friendships that I had. And, and many of those friendships essentially withered up and died. Um, but, you know, all this was dramatically changed and my world was rocked when, when my ex and I decided to get a divorce. Um, and during this process of, you know, considering my options of immediately after the separation and what I was going to do with the rest of my life and, and how I was going to move forward, you know, I had to make a decision. Do I continue to live here in the Charlotte area where I currently reside? Or do I move back up to Virginia to be closer to my parents um, and to start my life over five hours up the road? Um, and I almost made the decision to go be with mom and dad and to be closer to with them and maybe even live with them uh, for a period until my divorce was at least finalized. 
But I quickly had a change of heart during this entire scenario. As sudden news of my divorce sent shockwaves and spread throughout my social circles, people, they saw me. They saw me suffering and they ultimately wanted to help. And friendships that had withered over the years, and some of them that had even completely died, suddenly began to flourish again. And those with whom I only had become casual acquaintances with over the years of my marriage, um, and only lightly rubbed elbows with, you know, those people suddenly became really good friends of mine. So, what can we do to make friends as, a, as an adult? You know, what, what can we do to cause our friendships to flourish if, if we find ourselves to be in our 30s or 40s or 50s or even later? What can we do um, to, to make our friendships flourish? What can we do to make friends? Um, and so I want to go ahead and turn this, this podcast to the attention now from diagnosing the problem of what we've experienced as a culture to making some suggestions. And my first suggestion is I recommend getting a divorce. <laughs> Nothing will energize your friendships like getting a divorce. <laughs> I kid, I kid, I kid. Well, sort of, not really, but I kid. I don't recommend getting a divorce. Before getting a divorce, please consult with your pastor, your priest, uh, your psychologist, and uh, trusted legal counsel. <laughs> If I can uh, put that out as a disclaimer. Everything said in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Uh, you know, don't consider anything I take as advice. But <laughs> I say that for all the lawyers out there who might, you know, say, hey, you just ruined somebody's marriage. No, I'm not ruining somebody's marriage. I'm just saying, you know. Anyway. <laughs> um, so, you know, how do we go about making friends? How do we go make friends? Because we sit there... And we think about it and we sit there and think, well, I feel lonely and I feel without, that I'm without friends and what can I do? Maybe I've moved into a new town. Maybe, maybe I you know, have been estranged from all sorts of friends for a lot of various reasons. How can I go about doing this? Because making friends seems like an impossible task and I just feel like I'm stuck to be forever doomed to live in my house and collect cats. Um, <laughs> you know, what, what can I do to make friends? And I think the solution really boils down to the skills that we learned as children when we were all forced to play with each other on the playground and at school. Um, and we just got to pretty much do those things that we did as kids, but we got to do them as adults. Um, as children, if you recall as a child, you were probably pretty much tossed onto a giant playground together with other children that you didn't know. And we were all forced to socialize in very close proximity to others, to struggle with others on the playground or at school or, or in the neighborhood. Um, and we, during these struggles, during these activities that we engaged in, we naturally connected with people. People that we just looked at and said, yeah, you, I, I like you. You're, you're the one I want to hang out with. And then you just started hanging out with them. Um, unfortunately, as we get older, our sense of community, though, and our sense of connectedness and our sense of kind of being in the struggle with other people together um, has kind of eroded it as our culture. Because 
when we're kids, we're forced into these confines. We're forced into these, you know, these uh, prisons that they call schools. <laughs> um, I say that as a joke. Please don't get angry at me. Um, but we're forced to be in these circumstances together, sometimes often outside of our control. And we just, you know, naturally start rubbing elbows with people. Um, but because we get older and we grow apart and we grow into more independent and there's less a sense of dependency on other people and, and we've kind of become further and further, we drift apart and become our own islands and become our own lives and have our own sense of autonomy. Um, you know, our sense of community and our sense of culture and the things that connect us, the things that bind us together, um, they kind of start to fall apart. We're no longer forced to play with the kids on the playground that maybe we don't necessarily know or like. And if you were just to approach a stranger on the street, um, even in your own neighborhood, people might look at you like you're weird and, hey, get away from me. Um, you know, and you become defensive and, and no longer do you associate with people who are just perfectly strangers to you. You, you get more and more distance from strangers and you have no interest in, in interacting with them. And, and that's just kind of the... The prediction we're in, but at the end of the day, if you're going to make friends, you're going to have to make people. You're going to have to make friends with people who are currently strangers to you now. Um, and our nine to five grind, you know, and and dealing with spouses and dealing with kids, um, you know, these things make it very difficult often for a lot of people to form new and meaningful friendships in their lives. Um, we make friends perhaps with uh, parents of, of the kids that our kids are playing with, maybe. Um, but, you know, often uh, many fail to do even that, especially as kids get older and less dependent on mom and dad and have less opportunity for their parents to interact. So they might have some play dates, you know, when they're before five years old and maybe a little bit after, but... Uh, it eventually gets to the point where people just start drifting apart again. And that's where we find ourselves. So, how do we make friends? Well, I decided to go ahead and write down seven keys to making friends as an adult. So, I hope you enjoy these seven keys. Because in some sense, like, I'm going to tell you these things and you're going to say, No, duh, why did I just listen to a half-hour podcast on making friends? I knew all this. But I think it's good to say because, you know, to some degree, we often lack maps in our course of life. And we sometimes just go about things in a very haphazard way. And we kind of just float and we just kind of drift. Um, and sometimes I think it helps just to write things down on paper so you can think about things in a very systematic, logical fashion. And you can approach life and to some degree according to these sort of plans and these ideas. And when you have a target in mind, you're more likely to hit the target versus just randomly firing a gun and, and hoping it hits something. So here are my seven keys to making friends as an adult. First, be intentional. Making friends seldom happens by accident. At the end of the day, you have to put yourself out there. And that can be a big first step. But you got to get out there. You got to get out of your house. You got to you got to go somewhere. You're going to have to do something. You're going to have to put yourself in a place where you're possibly uncomfortable. You're going to have to interact with people who are strangers to you now. So this is going to require some intentionality because we have this natural recoil in us 
that wants to pull away from people we don't know, from people who are strangers. It's strange how as kids, we were all about approaching strangers. In fact, we were so much about approaching strangers that our parents had to warn us not to approach strangers. Um, you know, if a stranger ever offers you candy, you don't get in the van. And so, so we learned lessons about things, about approaching strangers. And as, as we got older, we took it more to heart than when we did when we were younger. Um, so you're going to have to put yourself out there. You're going to have to be intentional. You're going to have to deliberately interact with strangers. Key number two, find an existing community of something that interests you, something that you're passionate about, something you believe deeply about, something that you've always wanted to explore or get involved with, something that you've been waiting and meaning to do, something that's on your bucket list, something that you want to get involved with, and get involved with that. (laughs) Because guess what? If you get involved with that, guess what? There's going to be people there. There's going to be strangers there. And that you're going to find out that you are connected to other human beings through a common mutual interest that perhaps sparks some interest in bringing you together. And while you're there getting involved in some sort of community of something that interests you, whenever possible, I highly recommend you volunteer to help out. Um, and, and that's something I've found to be especially True over the years, especially in my involvement in church um, and other such things over the years, is that I have made more friends not by sitting on a pew and watching some preacher bang on a pulpit, but I've made friends by saying, hey, I like this church. How can I get involved? How can I support? And then all of a sudden you start volunteering and you start helping out. And you start rubbing elbows with people and you start having meaningful discussions with people and you start showing that you care and that you want something of common interest to flourish. And all of a sudden, you start making friends. Now, this could be a possibility that there's something out there that interests you that doesn't exist wherever you are at. And that's definitely a bit more tricky, especially if something you just have you know this unique thing that you love that nobody else seems to love, or maybe something else people love but nobody's organized it yet. Well, guess what? You can be that person who, if they can't, if you can't find a community to belong to of something to get involved with that you're already interested in and and look to be involved with. Well, guess what? You can go create that thing. Now that's going to require some leadership, and that's going to require some extra. Uh, you know, just reaching into your gut and, and, and creating something out of nothing. Uh, it's going to require tapping some God-like qualities. And <laughs> uh, you, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and everything was formless and void. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And so you're going to have to have kind of a God moment to, to create this let there be light, uh, let there be a heavens and an earth sort of thing where something doesn't exist, uh, to create something out of nothing. Um, So you're going to have to exercise maybe some of that power and capacity and ability that you have as somebody created in the image of God to do. Um, So you might have to go out there and create something, and that may be hard. Um, But, you know, I I think you're going to find if if you do that long enough, if you're persistent enough, you'll eventually attract the kind of community that you're looking to create. And in doing so, you're going to probably start to make friends. Point number three. Invite others to participate in whatever mutual activities that you both enjoy. 
You'll often have to stand in instances like this, shoulder to shoulder with someone, before you can sit across from each other and look at somebody in the eye. Um, and you, you'll often see this with volunteering for things, um, whether it's you know community projects of some sort, like a Habitat home, or if you want to get involved in a sports league of some sort, like softball or baseball, or, or in my instance, ice hockey. You know, find activities that are of mutual interest to you um, and things that other people enjoy um, and try to get some people on board with that and, and try to encourage people that may be sitting on the sidelines who haven't uh, decided to join your group yet. You know, invite them to participate in whatever you're already doing. Try to not only exist in the community, but try to bring that community that you're involved with to others. Um, and I think if you find, if you do that over time, you will find that you make more and more friends. Um, I can sit there and think when I was in community college, um, I decided to join the student government association. Um, and I didn't know anything about student government. I barely knew anything about the community college that I was involved with, but somebody invited me to a meeting and I thought, Hey, I'm going to go check this out. This could be something cool to get involved with. And in doing that, I ended up volunteering for the community college that I was going to at the time. Um, and while doing that, I encouraged other people to come and participate in what we were doing with the Student Government Association. And in doing all that, I eventually became a leader within the Student Government Association. And uh, I ended up making a couple friends. And some of those friends have still stuck around in some measure to my life to this day. Um, so that's a pretty cool thing that you can do. Invite other people to participate in mutual activities that you both enjoy. Um, be willing to stand shoulder to shoulder with people. And eventually you'll find somebody that you can sit down, have a cup of coffee with, and look them in the eye. And you'll have a friend. Key number four kind of builds and outgrows from this. Eat and drink together with somebody. And do it at a table. <laughs> this is Jimmy's Table Podcast, remember, right? You know, it's my thing. I, I believe uh, that community is something that thrives ultimately around a table. I've stressed this time and time again throughout my podcast from the very first episode. If you go back to episode zero and, and hear my rant about it, that there are few things more fundamentally human and few things more inherently spiritual that differs us from animals than sitting down at a table sharing a common meal together because you're not just sharing food when you sit down together. You're sharing life. And I believe all the great things of the world, all the things that God wants to do in this world, the things that Jesus did the most of, the most of the ministry that you read about in the New Testament when Jesus was sharing his ministry with his friends, the Twelve, is that... Uh, you know, Jesus did most of his ministry around a table. And he did it in connection with other human beings because that's the way God ultimately designed us to work. So if you want to strengthen your human relations, whether it's your family or your friends, or if you want to build new friends, sit down, eat, and drink together. There's just something magical about doing that. There's some transcendent experience that exists within humanity when we sit down and share a common meal together. 
where we, where we share in the gifts and the bounties and the things of life that help us to flourish and to nurture us and to provide us energy and stamina and strength and all the things that we need to live our lives. Food does that. But not only food, but the friendships and the relationships we form along the way while breaking bread. So eat and drink together. Sit down, go to a coffee shop, go to your local craft brewery, go to your local restaurant, whatever it is that, that interests you the most and in, in, in sharing with somebody. Share a lunch together with uh, fellow employees at, at work. You know, participate in all those sort of activities. Um, you know, if you're, if you're in the beer, beer league, hockey league as an adult, you know, after you're done sweating and playing hockey, don't be afraid to go to the bar and get a drink afterwards with the guys you just, you know, chase a little rubber disc around the ice with. Um, that's cool. And things like that help build community. Things like that help create friendship. Key number five, open up with others. Be authentic. Be vulnerable. Take a risk. Share your heart and share your mind. Because chances are people, after seeing how you've been living, to seeing what sort of value you add to the community, at seeing how hard you work shoulder to shoulder with them, they're going to garnish a respect for you. And they're going to be willing to hear what it is you probably have to say. And sometimes that's going to mean an opportunity to share deep and profound things and the wrestlings and strivings of life. Um, and, and doing that and taking that risk and being vulnerable with somebody and speaking up and sharing what's going on in your life, there's nothing better than making friends, to, to make friends than to share your struggles with somebody else. Because um, we are not meant to struggle through this life alone. You know, we all need somebody to come stand shoulder to shoulder, somebody to help bear our burdens with us. Um, and there's just something about us in our humanity that responds to other people who show their vulnerable side, who take the risk, who open up, and are willing to connect with us. And there's somebody out there that you just experience that with, and you're thinking, man, I'd take a bullet for that guy, you know? Um, and, uh, you know, you, you form meaningful friendships as a result of sharing such things. But it's not going to happen if you, if you stay clammed up, if you don't open up, if you don't sit down at the table with others. That'll never happen. Key number six, be patient. Some of us, depending on our personality type, are going to make friends easier than others. But regardless of your personality type, whether you're an introvert or extrovert or an introvert and extrovert or whatever it is you may happen to be, whether you're a little on the shy side or what have you, you know, your personality type is going to dictate to some degree uh, the level of friendships and the quantity and quality of friendships. But regardless of whatever your personality type is, making friends, like I said in point one, requires intentionality requires effort, requires time, energy, and investment. Um, most friendships seldom strike up overnight. There are a couple. There are a couple that definitely strike up out of the middle of nowhere. Um, and you just feel like, oh man, instant connection with somebody. And, and that's great. But most meaningful friendships that endure 
a long period of time. They only do so because there's an intentionality of effort, time, energy, investment. That means you, you answer the phone when your friend calls, you respond to the text message, you decide, I'm going to schedule a time to go out to dinner with you. I'm going to invite you to participate in the things that I'm in doing. There's going to be, have to be communication in order to make that happen. You're going to have to do things deliberately. And you may not be 100% comfortable with that. I know, especially you super shy introverted types, that's, that may paralyze you with fear at the, the thought of, of doing things like that. But you know, most friendships, they seldom strike up overnight, and they're kind of like a plant, where often it takes a lot of time before anything meaningful begins to grow. So you're going to have to, to be patient, and you're going to have to be repetitive. You're going to have to continually show up you're going to have to continue like a farmer, sowing, watering, and then one day harvesting. But all that doesn't happen usually overnight, and it takes time. So be patient. You know, and it can be frustrating, especially if you're lonely, and it may make you want to feel super clingy and super desperate. Um, whatever you do, don't get desperate. <laughs> desperate people scare other people away. Um, embrace the loneliness for the time. Be patient. Um, just keep sowing, and uh, eventually you'll be harvesting friends left and right, if that's what you want to do, <laughs> um, if, uh, as long as you be patient first. Key number seven, practice love and forgiveness. You know, at some point, you care about somebody long enough, they're probably going to start to do something that you really, really hate. <laughs> at first, you thought the idiosyncrasy was cute. But eventually it became something of a Chinese water torture, that is slow drip that just keeps tapping you on the head over and 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 over again. And it finally gets on your last nerves and you get on somebody else's last nerves. And those molehills can become mountains given enough time. Um, and in order for friendships to thrive long term, at the end of the day, you're ultimately going to have to true, truly learn to love others and to practice the art of forgiveness. Because without those things, your friendships are going to die left and right, and they'll never get very far. And you'll soon find yourself among those who are increasingly lonely in our society and those who increasingly lack any friends. Um, and I don't know about you, but I want to have some good friendships. Now, you may not want to have as many friends as I do, and, and that's okay. Um, you know, some people are only happy if they only have two or three close friends and they're not interested in wasting their energy on anything beyond two or three uh, close friends. But I would say to that, you know, always be cultivating friendships wherever you can. Don't put a limit on the amount of friendships that you're able to have. Just let things take place and constantly be trying to make new friends. Um, because one of the cool things about friendship, I think, is that, you know, sometimes friendships only last for a season and God brings people in, into our lives just for that season. And somebody who may have been one of our best friends in school, you know, you know, may not be our best friends in our 30s and 40s. Um, so don't just, you know, put all your eggs in one basket. Um, life happens, things change, people move, um, loved ones pass away, um, and all sorts of difficult things 
um, happen in our lives. And I think if we go about this sort of sense of always being intentional, finding existing community, standing shoulder to shoulder, inviting people to participate, that even though we may only end up having a couple close friends at a, any given time, there's going to be a sense in which we're always digging the well so that the day we get thirsty, we can go to the well and draw from some water. So always be networking, always be making new contacts, always you know, seeing how you can bless somebody else, always invite somebody else to participate at the table because you never know what sort of friend you're going to make, what sort of friend that person is going to need in their life, what sort of friend you're going to need in their life, and you never know when those things will blossom. Always try to grow your friendships um, wherever they're at. Allow them to be fruitful. Allow them to multiply. Um, allow some just to take the natural course of a season of a friendship and what it may run in the course of your life. Um, and always just be planting those new seeds. And I think if you do this, if you make this a lifelong habit, then over the course of your life, you'll never find yourself at a place where you don't have any friends. Um, and I think at the end of the day, most of us never want to be at that place where we don't have any friends. Um, so, with that said, everybody, this has been Jimmy Humphrey, episode 180, The Friendship Famine and How to Make Friends. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. I hope I've given you something meaningful to think about. If you've enjoyed this, email me, jimmy at jimmystable.com, or if you've hated this and just thought I was off my noodle and, and just wanted to give me a piece of your mind, um, you can also email me at jimmy at jimmystable.com, although I prefer you don't. No. <laughs> Uh, no, feel free. I, I don't mind. Uh, uh, agreement is not required if you decide to communicate with me regarding my podcast. Um, and if you've enjoyed this podcast and if you, you have yet to subscribe, you can do so at jimmystable.com slash subscribe or all the other, where you can find all the wonderful ways you can subscribe, such, such as through Apple, Google, Spotify, or even old-fashioned email newsletter. And if you haven't had a chance to uh, leave a glowing five-star review, why don't you be a good friend of this podcast and go leave a glowing five-star review at all the places you can leave five-star reviews. If you run out of places to leave five-star reviews, then you've done your job. <laughs> uh, everybody, this has been Jimmy Humphrey, jimmystable.com, where I'm having conversations about the intersection of faith, life, and culture. Take care, everybody. God bless, and have a good one. That's all I have to say about that. That's the right on, man. You said it all.